We who are about to die salute you. How's it going, everybody? Uh, Chris and Chris here for week seven of Mori Tori Mondays, where, uh, get this, we're going to be talking about Strike Force more. Uh, did I say Mori Tori the wrong way? <laughs> I think we're we're after maturing in our uh, pronunciation of it, but I think we still have some work to do, Chris. We do. I, I think my palate has not yet uh, shifted to normal human. So uh, are, you, are you still doing your tongue exercises? I am. I'm doing my lunges and uh, everything. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I've. I, People are still looking at me funny, so I must still be doing it right. But uh, we are doing, we're going to be discussing Strike Force Morituri number seven today uh, from a uh, cover dated June 1987. But before we hop into that, we did get one eulogy for uh, the fallen Harold. And uh, something we'd like to share with you. It's from our good friend, Green Lantern HG, uh, Mark. And he says, What an episode, guys. Had a lot of fun with this one. Harold. It was so hard to hear of your passing. You still owed me $5. When will I learn? And we don't know when you'll ever learn because you keep lending money to these people on the moratory process. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're not going to leave anything in the will. I mean, you might get his VVCom batteries or something. but uh, <laughs> And uh, he does say that uh, at least Harold did not give us any belly button cleavage. Uh, but he did try. <laughs> Thankfully, he, mercifully. Yeah, he, he did try this last episode where they were uh, – where they went to the nightclub, they were all dressed to the nines with the uh, with their weird uh, Lorna Legion, outfits. Legion of Legion of superheroes. Yes. Legion of superheroes rejected costumes. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But uh, you know, do you want to go into uh, the update for the recruits? Absolutely. So our recruits at last stop were isolated in the garden. Now, if you're not familiar with Strike Force Moratory or haven't heard any of our other episodes, we have a little certificate program going on. Now, mm -hmm. uh, when you sign up for our little program, all you got to do is shoot us a little DM. You'll get sent a little certificate, and every single week you'll be entered into a little mini storyline going right on here in the podcast. Right now, we've got three recruits. They're locked into what's called the garden which is basically and essentially the danger room for the x-men uh, it's a garden area where all our strike force moratory gang are put into training but the training is a little bit more lethal than one would think so mm -hmm. when we left last our recruits uh, the teams were lockshot med and force field now lockshot was held in the observation booth with the commander while med and force field had to tackle the garden by themselves this time, uh, Med and Forcefield are found in a barrage of lasers, and the hostile plants or plant life are actually attacking. Uh, Med himself is actually caught in a snake-like vine, which wraps around his neck and his arm. Now, Forcefield struggles to free him. The garden defense systems lock onto two recruits, and the Forcefield manages to cover them both, while assisting Med. However, Lockshot notices that the systems have picked up a vulnerability on Forcefield's mm. barriers. So it's actually getting a little bit smart, Chris. 
it and is. it's about to blast him into the stratosphere. However, Mr. Lockshot, who's up with the commander, who's locked away, can't do anything but watch his friends get the crap kicked out of him, decides he's done looking at this. So he leaps out through the glass uh, and actually dismantles the garden defense lasers with his blasters, his plasma lasers from his eyes. Uh, the vines have choked out Med, however, and he's just dangling by a, by a thread of life. Uh, but the vice is tightening around his neck and his arm. So Lockshot frees his neck but can't get his arm. Um, so he's locked on Med, and Lockshot it literally has to shear Med's arm off to save him. Oh, no. So we actually have a recruit with no arm all of a sudden. With Med free, Lockshot attempts to exit the garden. Now, he doesn't do it in any – he doesn't just pick the door. He blows a hole right through the side of the perimeter wall <laughs> and ends up in the lobby. Now, all the defenses are locked on to three – uh, three um, recruits, but Force Field creates an entire barrier around them, makes them makes their escape into the lobby. So our recruits have got some splaining to do for mm-hmm. destroying the simulator, and we'll see the after effects a little later. Yes, it might come out of their paycheck. That's not a good thing. <laughs> yes, but, uh, you, only have, you only get a year's worth of pay as it is, Chris. It's true. It's true. It's a <laughs> it's a heck of a salary, but it's only the one. Uh, (laughs) into our issue here it's uh this one is called road the 600 and it was on sale february 24th 1987 and we have a solicit which reads the murray turi launch a desperate attack to avert the destruction of los angeles instead of los angeles by the (laughs) alien horde even if they win it may be the battle that spells their own destruction Mm. Mm. yes (laughs) <laughs> yes, sir. And if you remember where we left off, Harold died. Our yep. point of view character, he died. He blew up, and in so doing, he blew a hole in the transportation uh, shuttle that our team was on, and they almost got sucked into airless space, if not right. for their powers uh, all combining perfectly to save all of them. Harold was uh, – now, if, you, if you've if you missed – uh, several of our first episodes. Number one, shame on you. Yes. <laughs> so hit the archives and and uh, grab these books because you've got some catching up to do, folks. But for folks who are following along, Harold, uh, our actual main character of the entire story, bit the biscuit last week. Mm-hmm. So we have a team, Sans leader, floating in space. So True I guess we'll that. pick up from there. What do you think, Mr. Sheehan? I like it. All right. So our group right now, which obviously they're still reeling from the loss of their leader, you know, the moratory warriors, they're continuing on their way towards Horde headquarters. And they're they are out for blood. I mean, they just lost two team members back to back. So they lost Lorna and now their own leader, Harold, is dead. Now, Louis, which is his name, nickname Radiant, he wonders aloud, you know. Why didn't they bother to grab some Hordian weapons when they commandeered the craft? I mean, I mean, fairly decent point. You got to admit. Yeah. I mean, I think you said that he's, you know, he's going to become one of these one to grow on members of the team. I guess he's given all, he's breaking off all this knowledge, all this like real, all these good points. Like, hey, maybe we should go back because we're outnumbered, <laughs> or maybe we should have brought weapons because we don't have any. Or, or Louis, maybe- Louis, Louis seems like the only guy in this entire team who is actually thinking about survival. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, speaking of someone who doesn't really care about survival, <laughs> Mister Robert, he reminds Louis that they 
are the weapons, which doesn't make, you know, anyone feel any better, of course. Of course, when you're when you're Strike Force Moritori, basically you get power. So for folks who haven't been following along, um, you know, they are literally put through a process where they gain superhuman powers, but they have a clock above them. And how long do they last, Mr. Sheehan? Up to a year, but not guaranteed a year, just nope. up to. Literally up to. So we've already seen two people who've died literally on the first and second mission. So their track record of this whole year is is looking like a one for uh, looks one. Like they've got sold a bill of goods here on this one. Anyway, so so Aileen of course is crying, which she she does you know fairly fairly often in the book. Um, not as much as Adept, but you know fairly wow. recent. <laughs> and she's reflecting on just how alive Harold looked moments earlier, and how. She can't even see his face anymore because obviously he's he's sort sort of dead. <laughs> so, but anyway, only the fire that took him away. So the tiny craft gets closer, you know, to the gigantic Hordian ship, and and I mean, this thing is huge. Picture a star destroyer in like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It is massive. And of course, Louis reminds the team, you know what? We, we might be uh, super screwed here, so <laughs> <laughs> always the voice of reason. Good job. Yes. Now, picture this. So they're in this little tiny ship. They come up on this Star Destroyer-like craft. They don't have any passwords. They ain't got weapons, brother. They ain't got nothing. So, they got nothing. <laughs> but they do have our good buddy, Jaylene who is also mm-hmm. adept, who has analyzing powers. Now, don't laugh, folks. Analyzing powers have come in handy, and myself and Chris have actually backtracked a number of times and almost owe this woman an apology because she <laughs> saved a team. A crow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she's working hard at cracking a code. Now, Robert, the big dude himself, Mr. Marathon, he advises that there's a ship approaching and asks for a few suggestions. Now, Luckily, the ship doesn't pay them any mind, fortunately, because, I mean, you know, they're so small. It's like, a, you know, basically a needle in a haystack. So Bucky, they get off lucky this time. Mm-hmm. But unluckily, the team realizes that this ship is probably the one that will be destroying Los Angeles. Now, we didn't we didn't stutter. <laughs> that is actually <laughs> Angeles. Angeles. Is that how mm-hmm. we pronounce it, Chris? Angeles. Whatever we're doing, we're doing it wrong, I'm sure. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone will point this out, I'm certain. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, since the Morituri are on the smuggler's craft, the very um, their very arrival in Hordian orbit might just signal to lower the boom. So they are on the way to literally bomb L.A. Yep. And they know that L.A. has only got a couple hours left. So Aileen decides to she <laughs> she's going to just have a flashback. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Hell yes. What better time when you, you know, Los Angeles is, or Los Angeles, sorry, is uh, probably on the verge of a nuclear assassination here. So she thinks back to the Black Watch. Now, if you're not familiar with what the concept of the Black Watch is, they're the original Strike Force Moratory team who yeah. sacrificed themselves against the Horde originally. So they became basically a propaganda machine propped up by all the television stations and the military to say that, you know, they are basically the figurehead on the coin in the battle against the Horde. So her mind goes to one particular member, and it's Black Watch member Clint Woodrow. Now, remember that name, because that comes in fairly handy. It and, will. You know, <laughs> he's literally the head on the coin. Keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> 
she remembers him as being, you know, the most handsome and wonders if, you know, he's the only one they didn't really even see die in the video. Cause you only got to see the other two die. So it was, who was, who were the other two? Do you recall their names? Um, I don't think it oh matters. Boy. Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Anyway, the other two members died, but poor old Clint, nobody saw him die. I thought it was Clint and Woody, <laughs> but yeah, I, did, I, did <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, she begins quietly muttering about the death and how, you know, how she's seen all of all the deaths she's seen. And, you know, the Black Watch, first Lorna, now Harold, you know, she's feeling hopeless. And I mean, hopeless, I tell you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what what good can she be? Um, I mean, after all, she's just a little homely girl. So that's how, you know, that's how she's feeling. She's feeling sort of lost within the team. You know, her leader's dead. You know, she's really got nobody to go to. Her friends are dying left and right. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is Jaylene's cue to hop in, and you know she <laughs> and she uses every every chance she gets to convert her team to Catholicism. Totally, <laughs> I, it is. She is that one friend that just can't let it go. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but I've I've had one of these guys in my life. So I, I live with a I live with a guy in university, and he would always take every opportunity. It didn't matter what you were doing. If you were watching a movie, you'd, he'd be like, you know. I don't know, man. What does Jesus think? <laughs> and you'd be like, wow. oh, uh, probably enjoying the movie. I don't know. <laughs> probably. probably exists, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Miss Jaylene loves to do that. So uh, she also produces the results of her latest ad- adaptation. So she produces a small handheld device, which she deduces as being a horde pocket welder. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course. As soon as I would look at a thing as well, I would just go, clearly that's a Hordian pocket welder we have there. (laughs) Everyone knows, you know, alien welders. (laughs) So, but she figures somehow they can use it as a weapon, which she's not entirely wrong. Um, The tiny craft approaches, uh, approaches the large warship. And it actually opens up to receive them. So, I mean, you've seen this a million times in sci-fi movies. You know, the big bay opens and the little tiny, uh, you know, vessel like goes into the sea. Same old scene. But unfortunately, sure. Jaylene hasn't the foggiest idea how to land a thing. I don't know about you, but maybe a pilot, you know, being somewhat reasonable, landing would be important to me. <laughs> I don't know about you. One of the most important parts of flying, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I feel I feel on my most recent trip to uh, to Halifax that uh, I had one of these particular pilots, possibly a Jaylene, <laughs> who uh, it, didn't figure a few it. Times. Yes, yes. <laughs> sort of, uh, you come down out of the sky like a battle rocket, and uh, you're you're wondering, oh my, are we hitting tarmac or what's happening here? I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, so they're about to land inside the ship, and of course. The Horde has figured all this out. The jig is up, and the rest of the Horde fleet finally tunes in that something's not quite right here. So they figure out that this is, uh, you know, no friendly craft coming in here. Robert, of course, he's at the wheel. He hits the gas and crashes their craft right into the receiving area of the warship. And, of course, seals that airlock and slams the door shut. So they got really lucky. And speaking of lucky, boy, were they lucky because inside the craft is full of... (gasps) breathable air and mm-hmm. gravity <laughs> in fact way too much gravity so <laughs> like two g's or whatever <laughs> holy geez these poor guys i mean not uh, they, they don't get, they don't get a break um the team pulls himself out of the wreckage and are immediately set upon by horde troopers and it seems like every single time that our party seems to do anything in these books the horde troopers are like 
locked in immediately. Like They're there's right zero there. time. Yeah. yeah. Jeez, these guys are a pain in the ass. But anyway, <laughs> Louis makes himself useful by using his dazzling light powers <laughs> to blind the baddies. <laughs> Now, Louie uh, is our guy, and uh, he's actually nicknamed Radian, for those who don't know. And his powers are similar to uh, Dazzler's, yes. in that he can produce light powers. Now, he's figured out along the way, and we'll see it a little bit later, how to adapt these powers to actually be more useful than just simply blinding people. But as of right now, he's uh, he's the team blinder. So That's about it, right? He's, bl- he's blinded everybody so far. That's about all he's done. Yes, he's. A, a, you got to really look at this team. Like when you, when you when you think about it, and you're picking a power set of groups to you know go to war with you, and you know you got one who analyzes, another guy who got nice cool light powers, and you know <laughs> another one is trying to convert you to Catholicism, and mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. not exactly the team you want to go with. I don't know. Just saying. Anyway. The team figures out it's in their best interest to literally fan out and split up. So they have, you know, they only have one uh, translation device. So that's going to become important because when you're going around this ship, everything's in an alien language. So you're going to need something to be able to translate to figure out where in the heck you're going. You know, if you need to use the bathroom, what are these symbols? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. For sure. I don't know what the hordes use because clearly they've got a couple, you know, some balls hanging from their chin as it is. Just saying (laughs) Just saying. <laughs> anyway, Louis asked Jaylene if she could whip up some more devices, and she's all out of what? She's thin like, air, I guess. She's, yeah. like, she's like, what am I supposed to do? Pull them out of thin air? <laughs> <laughs> and she's literally, uh, she literally can create stuff. And we see that her powers of analyzer are not just analyzing. She can literally create stuff. And we Ooh, see that a little bit yeah. later. It's She's like, uh, I don't know. I think her powers are not actually analyzing. I think she's like a uh, one of those like an inventor or something. Yeah, like what are those? Um, what are those printers that you can actually like? Oh, the three D printer. printer. Yeah, she's like a three D printer. It's <laughs> <laughs> basically her powers, and it works. Anyway, they uh, they find a locker, which Big Bobby and I mean he tears into this thing. And inside they find some, you know, some good old raw materials, which, of course, Jaylene is really happy to see because now she's able to concoct, you know, a new translator slash visual reader. So, I mean, anyway, with their new reader, the translation and a new translator, the team literally splits up. And, you know, it's the old Scooby-Doo trick, right? Like, Mm -hmm. hey, guys, like, let's split up. Like, it's never a good idea. But anyway, it ends up. Anyway, uh, they need to keep their horde's attention on the moratory and not L.A., which makes sense. I mean, you know, this thing is on the way to bomb Los, Los Angeles. So, you know, they've got to pull some distraction. So Louis recalls he's able to manipulate his powers because in, in past issues, he's able to combine his powers with other moratory members, such as Lorna. Mm-hmm. And he's actually able to use his powers like in combination. So yeah. he actually has the Hordian welding unit. And he wonders what would happen if he combined his power with that device. So it's not long before he actually gets to test out his little theory on a whole bunch of Horde troopers when he's surrounded. So Radiant combines his powers with the Hordian tool, and he creates a giant flamethrower burst. It actually works. 
what I like about Radian, he's sort of like he's the comedy guy on the uh, on the group. You know, he's the guy, the realist, I'll call him. So he's the guy who's you know he's that one person who's in your party who's always pointing out the obvious, or he he's definitely not the optimist. He's the pessimist. Guys, mm-hmm. I don't think this is a good idea. But <laughs> he's he's pragmatic. <laughs> yes, he's that's exactly right. And we all know these people. <laughs> but anyway. Mm-hmm. He uh, when he gets this whole flame burst going, he literally says, "Eat blazing death, scum face." That's pretty cool. And then yeah. he says, "The kid is hot tonight," so he's loving it. He's really he digging is, the He is all in. Yep. Now speaking of people who love their powers, we get to see Big Robert, who's Marathon. Now he's strolling around a horde ship, and he's busy just causing havoc and destruction. <laughs> He's walking around, he's bashing in doors, smashing walls just for sport. Just for and, the fun of it. <laughs> yep. And sadly, some horror troopers find him to to their dismay because uh, the man known as Harold is going to, tr- you know, they're going to try to stop him. But it's something that is they are going to regret because Robert, as soon as he's uh, surrounded and they try to arrest him by telling him, you know, stop, stop where you are. Robert just turns around. And then he attacks them. And I mean, if we've seen Big Robert in the past, he is a human, like he is a wrecking ball. Mm-hmm. And this scene is so creatively shown, just a nice, beautiful little panel where he just slowly turns around. And you really get the feeling that he's done holding back, which we'll see a little bit later. Oh, yeah. Now, we moved to good old Aileen. Now, she stumbled upon the Horde Commander's chambers. And the first thing you see is that the floor is just lined with animal pelts. And, you know, she wonders aloud if the Horde had brought back the idea of hunting. So I guess, and I don't think that was really explored in any of the other books. Do you recall that? The idea no, of, like, hunting being... Being banned or prohibited? Yeah. I, ne- I don't remember them ever mentioning that. That's an interesting uh, little piece. I don't know why that... I don't know. Yeah. It's really strange. I don't know if they're protecting the food source where they had an alien invasion and now it's just a government thing or... That could or, be. Yeah, that would seem like the obvious option, but hmm. interesting note anyway. So no hunting in the future, folks. So if you are (laughs) a gun toter and likes blasting deer or moose in Canada. (laughs) We got some bad news. You had a luck in moratory land. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, this is good old uh, Aileen, and she stepped into, of course, uh, the forbidden zone. So a hidden laser strikes her in the face, but she brushes it off. And a large door literally locks in front of her. So so she's literally behind this big door. Now, this is Aileen we're talking about. So she can control molecules and, you know, do all kinds of crazy stuff. So she uses her powers to literally blaze through the door. When inside, who should she find but the Horde commander himself? She is in, like, the mainframe. So she is in, like, prime land here. And that's Mm going to be an interesting encounter very soon. But now we get the of course, as soon as the action starts to pick up, we go to Adept. Yes. <laughs> and she is scanning the walls with her analyzing power, trying to retrieve data. So she actually discovers a source of data and sets out to gather some more info. But she runs into, of course, the waiting horde army. So they open up and they fire on her and they, you know, but she actually uses some of her powers that we haven't seen her use before. So she has, she manages to dodge laser blasts. So mm-hmm. she's got like these unrevealed speed powers that came out of nowhere. Do you know she had that? Did that surface you know, before? No, but uh, you know, every time we see her, she's gonna she's gonna exhibit some different powers for from from this point for a little while. It's it's very strange. 
Yeah, it's really it's it is really weird because the only thing that they gave her, they gave her the like least interesting power set, but every single issue you're seeing that she's literally transforming and almost to their key player. She's like she's the almost pin. evolving. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, all of a sudden now she has speed power, so she's able to dodge blasts, and she actually gets to the troopers and snatches their weapons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but anyway, this is where it gets interesting. So you see her Christian background come into play here. So she snatches their weapons and points them at them, but she doesn't kill them. She actually decides to just disarm them and orders them at gunpoint to access a locked door that's behind her. And the hordesmen, believe it or not, the captives now that she has, they actually thank her for not yep. killing them. Hmm. That's an interesting spin because the hordesmen themselves, they've all been shown as pretty well savages up to this yeah, point, right? Yeah, having no mercy, yeah. Yeah, now they're like concerned they don't want to die. And like before, they've been just showcased as savage animals, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting spin. I thought that was, you know, an interesting piece of uh, piece of news there. So anyway, so anyway... They, the hordesman actually unlocks the door, and it reveals this large tunnel, uh, like a shaft tunnel, and it goes way, like, way up. There's, like, a set of stairs that goes, like, upwards. So, of course, mm-hmm. Jaylene, using her powers like never before, now she leaps directly straight up the tunnel. So, I mean, it's not just, like, a, a jump from one side of the couch to the other. This girl literally launches herself right up this shaft. Mm-hmm. So, another... You know, we saw jumping powers before, but not from Jaylene before. So, again, this is another one of those things where it just comes out of nowhere. Now, when she reaches the top of the the tunnel that she's in, she sees something that catches her attention. And she just literally utters, Heavenly Lord. So, I don't know (laughs) what she's seeing, but, you know, it literally caught her attention. So, Mm -hmm. anyway, we check in back with good old light bulb himself, Radiant. And he's still shooting fire and burning his attackers. I think he's starting to get into the whole, you know, modified powers thing. So he's got his Hordian welder and he's, you know, he's blending it with his light powers and literally making himself this flamethrower, basically. Sure. Now suddenly the Kool-Aid man himself, Marathon, literally burst through <laughs> the <a> wall <laughs> in a fray <laughs> and he easily dispatches of the Horde troopers. They're almost like dominoes. I mean, he just, <laughs> when Robert gets going, man, he cleans house and we see it oh. here. He's, and he and and it's so easy. He doesn't bat an eye at it. He just walks directly into the pile and starts cleaning house. Anyway, mm-hmm. meanwhile, back in the Horde commander's lair, we see Aileen, and boy, is she getting a history lesson from the Horde commander. He's actually stops in the middle of this interruption and starts showing her a video screening of the Black Watch. How many times <laughs> do do we need to see this one video? It, it's the most important video, just like the most important comic book in this in Marvel Earth, what, 1287. I like uh, I like the comment we had earlier that said that Harold still owed him $5. He spent that $5 on that one comic. On that comic. That's it. <laughs> I guess somebody can cash it in. Whoever Whoever's in possession of the uh, last stand of the Black, Black Watch, please trade that in and give, give this man his money back. <laughs> anyway. Uh, the commander calls them animals and vows for the decimation of the human race. Now, Ar- Aileen argues with the commander and warns them that Earth is – they're not going to bow to the horde. You know, they're just going to stand – they're going to keep sending moratory warriors to stop them until they're eliminated. And that's basically the entire gist of a strike force moratory themselves. I mean, 
you know, yes, they have a limited shelf life, but the idea behind it is that they're just going to keep training new recruits, training new recruits in an unending amount of superpowered beings until the horde is eliminated. So it's they're, like a, that uh, that Bebe's kids back in the 90s. They don't die. They multiply. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, well, these people certainly die. The commander, <laughs> <laughs> the commander grinning, he laments, you know, the futile efforts of the Black Watch. And, you know, he mockingly deflates Aileen's efforts, you know. But he she, he, uh, he ups the stakes a little bit and he actually tosses a human head her way. Mm. Almost as like this sick gesture. Oh, man. And we discover that it's the head of the original Black Watch member, Clint. Remember Clint? Who, handsome uh, one. The handsome one who uh, we didn't see die. Well, guess what? Clint is dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> anyway, meanwhile, uh, now good old adept Jaylene, she has stumbled upon a hidden room in the Horde vessel. And she's surveying the ship, and she stumbles upon basically a trophy room. And this is an interesting panel, and I, and I know you want to talk about this. This this was brought up in our conversation and tweets and all that stuff. There's a number of absolutely iconic Marvel and DC items here. Do you want to run down a few items, Chris? Yeah, sure. Uh, we can see, you know, the giant penny from the Batcave? That, that's yes. in there. <laughs> so so the, the, cool. horde, the horde took out Batman. I don't uh, think the uh, the Batcave is still standing. I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, we can see Captain America's shield. He, that's there. Uh, Galactus's helmet, the Silver Surfer's Ooh. surfboard. They took uh, down the the um, Galactus and his herald. Yes, this is true. Um, Robbie the robot from Forbidden Planet. Also, yeah. a table full of Green Lantern power batteries. Um, there's a red car in the background in the rafters. And, yes, uh, I didn't know. I didn't know what that was. So when you, I was literally analyzing this little panel, and I'm trying sure. to decipher every little thing in it and for some reason there's a there's a rafter in the way and in behind there's like a little red car and i really don't know what it signifies same here yeah i'd, I'd like to think turbo teen the cartoon from the <laughs> 80s but i don't know <laughs> we could we could say it's him for sure uh, <laughs> turbo teen is there there you go there he is and uh and a whole lot of kirby tech and uh Boy, it's just a wild panel it's it's awesome but it really tells you what you know the uh, the Marvel universe and the DC universe seeing them combined is is pretty cool. Oh so, yeah. I mean, it's sort of Strike Force Moratory the comic. I mean, it doesn't really establish where it's you know where in the Marvel universe it's set and what the parameters are. So I mean, mm-hmm. literally, you know these these crossovers that we've had in the past can literally exist in this reality. So it's sure. sort of a cool continuation. So yeah, everything's on the table here. Yeah. Yeah, this kind of that's one of my favorite parts of this entire book. I think. Sure. Is that literally Absolutely. anything is on the table. Um, now adept, good old Jaylene. She realizes she analyzed the technology, the Kirby technology, by the way, that we've seen in pretty well every book, and determines that she has, you know, she's discovered a way to turn the horde's plunder back on them. So she's made a discovery here. She's using her analyzing power. She's figured out some way to utilize this tech against the enemy. So this is like the ace in the hole. Of course, she's figured it out again. So, you know, good old Jaylene and her analyzing powers has come back. Perfect. Absolutely. And back in the command center, we see Aileen as she's cradling the head of Clint. And she actually turns and glares at Commander. And this is the first time that we've actually seen this character with a bit of aggression. And she calls him an animal. 
and it's the first time we get to see her actually serious and like filled yeah. with emotion and she's got this look of like pure hatred about her and, and it's not about know, herself this time the only times we've no. ever seen her like upset is a lot of self-pity but here it's outward she is she is very 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 pained by what she has just experienced yes i mean literally you know if we know aileen so this character in general um, has one of the most shallow reasons for becoming a Strike Force Moratory <laughs> member. So ba- she mm-hmm. basically wants to be popular. She wants to get in good with the guys, and she wants an increased bus line. That's literally That's her only worries that this girl has had up to now. But now Clint, who she idolized, he, she's literally sitting there with his head in mm-hmm. her hands. So Absolutely. anyway. She has had it. So she jumps at the commander, and she's got vengeance in her eyes, brother. So she hurts him right away. She uses her molecular powers and hurts him immediately. So you know what? These guys are not indestructible by any means. So they've literally got a weakness. And, you know, I think the moratorium's got their number. And uh, so he starts to backpedal. Aileen tosses him like garbage, literally, across the room. It's pretty obvious, you know, the commander here is totally outmatched by a seething Aileen. But, you know, the commander reaches for a weapon, to, you know, to even the score. But uh, Aileen literally, out of nowhere, gets an emergency call from her moratorium mates. That's weird. I mean, I don't know about you, but, you know, you're right in the middle of a fight. Do you stop and go, hold on, hold on, phone's ringing. <laughs> Just hold up one finger. <laughs> hold on. Sec. It's Robert. Just one moment. <laughs> <laughs> you know Robert. It's him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, he's, he's mopping the floor with your men. Just just bear <laughs> with me. <laughs> anyway, she literally, they tell her that, you know, they've got to leave and she they need they, her to join her. So... She battles with her conscious for exactly one and a half seconds, and she leaves. <laughs> now, the Horde commander, I will give i will give him this. He actually unleashes like a lasso and grabs her by the foot and starts dragging her back. Now, at that point, I was thinking, oh, man, are we literally going to see another death here? <laughs> Is she going to end up clinted? Mm-hmm. But she, <laughs> yeah, but some, she doesn't. going to get her head later on, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Nothing happens. She breaks free keeps on going so win-win i will say anyway upon revisiting the team radian tells her that you know he's got this series of escape pods so he's come up with a way to leave this ship undetected so he sees that there's like a billion escape pods so his idea is if they jump in several random ones they'll launch all the pods at once and there's no way they can track them all so sure again radian the voice of reason <laughs> you know he figured out a good plan now, Big Robert, there's no way he wants to leave. He's still got some killing to do. So he's firm, and he says he's staying. He wants no. to clean up the horde. Now, Jaylene begs him to come with them. So she tells him that, you know, they finally found a way to defeat the horde with this new, newly acquired knowledge of, you know, the Hordean tech that she found. You know, but Robert is dead serious. He's staying. He ain't hearing none of that, sir. He is staying on that ship because he's going to rip them a new... I'm telling you. Anyway, Radian tells him to be careful and that he wants to see him again. And we just see Robert look at him with this grin of like, I'm going to kill them all <laughs> before I come back. <laughs> he is Every so pleased. One of them. Yes. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> anyway, uh, so the book ends up with all our heroes, with the exception of Robert, escaping the vessel. Um, and they lament their losses. So Aileen is seen to be clutching something in her hands. And Jaylene asks her what it is. And she reveals it's the patch of the former Black Watch member, Clint. Mm-hmm. 
And there you go. And our next issue is called Freshman. And that's when we meet a whole new cast of oh, Moritori. Yeah. Absolutely. With mixed results, people. <laughs> <That's what laughs> Very <say>. much so. <laughs> so what else so. we got in this book, Mr. Sheehan? Well, I'm just I just uh, wanted to talk a little bit about what we experienced here um, outside of that one really, really sweet scene with uh, Jaylene and the all the artifacts. Um, just seeing the the different it's it's weird because we're going to actually talk about this more next week, how the attitudes of the characters are kind of changing without a leader. They're kind of rudderless, you know, yeah, it's absolutely. just a. They don't have a th- there's there's no point of light that they can go toward right now. It's just they're kind of scattered everywhere. We can see Robert staying behind, which if Harold was still there, I don't think Robert would have stayed behind. I think Harold would have been able to coerce him to come back. Yeah, they all seem to follow. He sort of came. Yeah, he was sort of a follower earlier in the book, and he even mentions it in I think it was issue maybe three or four. So yep. Robert was always the guy who wanted a leader. And yep, he would absolutely. follow Harold to the death. Now, now Robert is in a situation where uh, he has no leader. So now he's sort of mm-hmm. thinking on his own for once. And he's choosing to stay and lay waste to these beasts who killed his friends. So there <laughs> With you go. mixed results, yes. Because he loses his uh, the girl he had a crush on and his, his best pal and leader. It's uh, He's just flailing. And, uh, you know, Jaylene is kind of taking the leadership position. Kind of but not really. Yeah. Yeah. She's and, making uh, microchips out of nothing. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's, a, she's a regular MacGyver. I mean, this lady is uh, evolving every week. I mean, we get to see new powers, new uses for her abilities. She's really evolving as a character. And it, it's kind of cool because she was, when we first met her, I mean, I openly mocked her and said, this is the worst character in the history oh, yeah. of comics, basically. But, but totally. I mean, she's, like she's actually adapting and it's like she needs to be fast. So all of a sudden she's going to be fast. She needs to jump. So all of a sudden she's going to deduce how to jump. It's uh, a, <laughs> there's just so many, the sky's the limit with her uh, powers where, I mean, she'll need strength eventually and she'll be really strong. It's a uh, really, really cool what they're doing with her. Um, uh, Aileen with a backbone all of a sudden, just, uh, she got that last straw with, uh, seeing, uh, what's his face, his head, um, yes. just, Clint. uh, Clint. Yeah. It's uh, well, it's Clint Rogers, right? I, I thought it was Clint Woodrow. Maybe Woodrow's the other guy, but yeah, uh, Clint yeah, Rogers yeah, Wood- is the guy. Yes, that's right. Is this fella. And, uh, I mean, then we have, uh, we have Lewis who's, uh, who's finally, uh, doing something besides blinding people. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we're, we're going to see that, uh, eventually we're going to see that, uh, Lewis is still kind of, uh, subservient he still he still is okay being a subordinate he wants to have someone to tell him exactly what to do and exactly how to do it but uh but he he is the most cautious out of the entire group so absolutely. he's done his uh you know workers health and safety course i guarantee you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he, is he ain't taking no workplace yes. risks here <laughs> absolutely but it's just uh just a great uh you know logical progression for these characters which uh uh th- this issue was it's weird. Like in a way it's like, it feels like kind of a letdown from what we've had, but in another way, it's so much better than what we've had. It's, it's a, in a weird, uh, dissonance because it's, it is because it's just, it's so different, but it's so familiar. It's, I don't know. It's, it, this is just such a good series. It's, and, uh, and, and again, you get to see the team bond. So you're seeing them mm-hmm. play different roles successfully. 
Each one oh, is yeah. using their powers properly to make a difference. And just seeing that combination of powers and seeing them how how they you know interact with the horde with these powers is incredible. So oh, it is. Just yeah, it's it's it. this is a very well thought out series. You can tell that there's a lot of attention paid to the right the right beat. So oh yeah, another the fantastic world issue, man. Is wonderful, yeah. Absolutely. But uh, but you know, we did learn a lot about our team just now. But uh. Let's learn some other stuff here. We we actually do after a, a two or three month absence. We've got some bullpen bulletin. Wait a second. And yes, believe it or not, we wow. have some bullpen bulletins, and uh, it's actually really big news here. Uh, you know, after being owned by Cadence Industries Corporation for 18 years, Marvel Comics now has new owners in dun, the dun, form dun. of yes, it's New World Pictures Limited. And uh, in the ad or in the bullpen bulletins, they're listed as being behind the movie Soul Man, oh. as well as the uh, television show Sledgehammer. <laughs> I was a Sledgehammer fan. I even bought his two episodes, two issues of his uh, Marvel comic? comic as well. Yeah, with, with the with the, the actor playing Spider-Man in the second issue. <laughs> <laughs> I grabbed that because I thought oh, it was actually man. Spider-Man. I- Maybe it was, uh, you know, the old uh, the old Spider-Man or Superman anointment in the second yes. issue of an ongoing where it's like, oh, well, you're OK. You're like Superman will show up in Firestorm number two. It's like, ah, you're good, kid. But uh, <laughs> I thought maybe Spidey was there to you know, maybe pat Sledgehammer on the back. But uh, also they uh, they're responsible for Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Hey, uh, one of my brother's favorite movies, by the way. Loved mm. it. Uh, the 1985 Godzilla. Also, Heathers, and uh, keeping it back in the Marvel Universe, the Punisher. This is the uh, Dolph Lundgren Punisher, right? Yeah, and you know, have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen the Punisher? No. That, uh, so, <clears throat> it's made very cheaply, let's put it that way. So it, they it looks did, very cheap, yeah. They don't put a big budget on it. You don't see Dolph Lundgren running around with, like, this the skull uniform and all that stuff. It's a really ground-level, street-level movie where he takes on the mafia, basically. But in saying that, it's one of the most faithful versions of the Punisher that you'll <laughs> see for the most part. So, I don't know. I kind of I dig the, uh, the Lundgren Punisher. So, anyway. Very cool. Um, also in this bullpen bulletin, maybe just as important as Marvel having new ownership uh, here, we have uh, some rumor control. Jim Shooter advises us that Marvel editor Ralph Macchio is in fact not the Karate Kid. Oh, man. We can't mm-hmm. even sweep the leg, Johnny. We can't even do it. Can't <laughs> even do it. So that's our bullpen bulletins. But as you know, there are some. there's a checklist on this page, too, that tells us all the cool stuff. That uh, Marvel was putting out that month. Uh, of them, we have Strike Force, Morituri number seven, but it gets read, no read blurb. The, oh, I was just going to say, just read all the big information, the factoid yeah. that they put with this one. It gets no blurb. Uh, <laughs> another it one doesn't, without a blurb. doesn't even get Spider Man. So, so think doesn't. about this: Sledgehammer issue number two <laughs> got Spider Man, yet Strike Force Morituri number seven does not even get one written word. It's to describe jack. it. <laughs> now, another book without a blurb. Comet Man. He gets his fifth oh. <laughs> The best stuff ever. Uh, now, I'm Amazing, garbage. It is, it is. Amazing Spider-Man number 289 promises the ultimate revelation of the Hobgoblin. Mm, uh, I, now, I really did I, enjoy that one. How were, how were you on the Hobgoblin mystery? That was a little bit before my time. 
so so I'm a young kid at this point, okay? So I'm, you know, uh, where are we in 1987? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm basically 12 year 12 years old in 87. There's a dating for yourself for you. So you know, I I know basically the standard characters. So what I mean, when you get to a reveal and should I, should I even do spoilers here? Oh, go for it. When we're talking about like Ned Leeds being revealed as the Hobgoblin, I'm just like, "What?" Like, you know, you're, you're thinking to yourself, oh, this must be like J. Jonah Jameson or, you know, your 12 year old mind goes to the the regular people. You know what I mean? No. When you get a reveal like Ned Leeds or, you know, uh, it, just, it just meant nothing. I don't know. <laughs> and they they had like three or four different hobgoblins, uh, like in pretty, pretty quick succession. Right. Yes. Like, uh, I don't remember the other guy's name. Oh, boy. Who's he had that? a very strange name. I don't remember it though. It's like one that you could pronounce many different ways, and I and I pronounce it wrong every single time. But uh, there was the other guy who was the hobgoblin, and then uh, then I find out about the Ned Leeds one because I discovered this stuff later on. So it, I kind of missed out on the build, and I missed out on you know all the near misses and all the fake outs. And uh, I remember reading that people were kind of annoyed by all the fake outs, but. I just wasn't there for it, unfortunately. Well, it was. It was. It was fake out after fake out after fake out, yeah. and uh, boy, it still ended up being a dud. They couldn't land this one properly. <laughs> it seemed like every like every issue of every back issue I found of Amazing Spider-Man for like a, an extended period is like different variations on someone holding a hobgoblin mask. Yes. <laughs> It seemed like that to me. It's like, oh, it was it's cool. this one. No, it's it was, this it's, one. No, it's this one. <laughs> it's like. Uh... It's like WCW trying to pay off who was in the limo. <laughs> like they just, Who's in the white Hummer, yeah. <laughs> yes, or yeah, the Hummer, I should say. Yeah, I mean, nobody ever got to the point, you know what I mean? It's the same thing here. I don't know. Super letdown, man. Super letdown. Uh, now, G.I. Joe, Real American Hero number 60, introduces Zanzibar. Is, uh, <laughs> is that Zartan's brother? That's the Dreadnoughts pirate, sir. Okay, okay. He's the guy, like, he's got uh, a patch, and he's got, like, pirate pants on, and, like, swashbuckler boots. This guy's an idiot. <laughs> really gaudy-looking character. Yeah, he's got, like, um, he's basically, he's, he's, like, I think his name is, like, Morgan Teach, and he's <laughs> he was raised on, like, a garbage scow, so, you know, he's one of these river pirates. I don't know, oh. man. Yeah, he was... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. He was a gas bootlegger. I think that's that's his whole deal. I remember his uh, his uh, card on the back of his figure when I bought him. This is it's just junk. <laughs> <laughs> now we have uh, the landmark 200th issue of Marvel Tales. Now this reprints Amazing Spider-Man Annual number 14, and I don't know what happened in Amazing Spider-Man Annual 14. Do you? That is a good question. I I don't know myself. I do know that I did love uh, Marvel Tales though. Mm, I don't know about I, I, you. I, I I didn't really get into them all that much. Um, they they came out at a time when I when I was introduced to them, I could buy an issue of Marvel Tales or I could buy an issue of Spider Man. So it's like well, I'm gonna buy Spider Man instead of Marvel yes. Tales because oh, that was wait a second. The, the Todd time and everything. Oh, this is wait a second. This one is the one where he teams with Doctor Strange. Oh, okay. Knight of the Ben Sinister. Hmm. Anything with Doctor Strange, I avoided like the plague back in '87. So <laughs> I, I never really got into that character myself. I, I remember uh, keeping it with Amazing Spider-Man uh, when when J. Michael Straczynski came on. It really seemed like he wanted to write Doctor Strange. Yeah, it was absolutely. Like, 
it's like every arc there'd be a Doctor Strange appearance, and it was like, okay, dude, just write Doctor Strange, get him out of Spider-Man, <laughs> just write Doctor Strange, so I don't have to buy it and look at it. But uh, I love when I love when writers do that. You know, they're put on a book that they don't want to be on, and the first thing they do is to bring in the character that they actually that wanted they want to write. To write. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many people back in the uh, late '80s, early '90s wanted to write Wolverine and the Punisher? Everybody. Everybody. Man. <laughs> No, we have X Factor number 17, which picks up where we left X Factor last time, where last time Angel died. Now it's Angel's funeral. So there's that. I actually uh, thought that Angel wasn't going to die. So when this, you know, when this came out and he actually had a funeral for him, it was sort of a, mm-hmm. I was sort of shocked that they carried through with it, honestly. Sure. Yeah. Because this is another one that I, I had, uh, I had discovered later. So I never knew Angel. I only knew Archangel. So right. when I found out, like, I didn't know Beast wasn't fuzzy, you know, it was uh, when I came in, that was what I had. And uh, so when I find when I go through the old X-Factors and I'm collecting them, it's like, OK, so he this is how he became Archangel in a roundabout way. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was very interesting to discover Weird. that. Now, here's a here's a fun one here. The Avengers Index launches <laughs> with its first issue. Now, I hate indexes. <laughs> <laughs> indexes i don't know like i i i've never really liked the marvel ones or uh, I, the only ones I actually kind of dug are the uh the what are they the ic icgs or whatever the independent oh, yeah. comic group ones that they did yeah. for for like they did like a two-parter for crisis they did a two-parter for millennium and it was just like a real neat way to compile things without having to read the entire thing so it's a nice companion piece uh, i remember i used the the hell out of uh the millennium one for the for the episode of the podcast we did on millennium i i relied on oh, those yeah. indexes a lot because uh because you know it's, 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 there's just so many parts of that thing you don't want to read all of it but so, uh so here here's why i hate indexes all right do you, okay. you, want, you want my index misery story absolutely <laughs> so anyway one christmas you know my mom actually got behind my comic book habit so she wanted to get me some comic related christmas gifts sure and outside of a stack of way overpriced batman comics which was another story for another time <laughs> she actually also got me the the uh, sears catalog christmas comic collector box okay and it came with a set of comic books like just a bunch of random comic books which promised random you know, collectible first, comic books? yes collectible comics so <laughs> it said that they, there would be involved first issues and other collectible comics now get this Here's what was in this junk box. <laughs> they had <laughs> Meet Misty number two from Star Comics. Okay. An issue, or I think it was an annual of Captain Victory. Is that that from, Kirby stuff? That's the uh, PC Jack Kirby stuff. And that Ooh. that particular issue is trash. Uh, <laughs> one of the highlights was ROM number one. Hell yes. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. She-Hulk number one was also in there. Nothing wrong with that as well. Very cool. Now, that was it, though, because then they had Reed Fleming, World's Toughest Milkman, an issue. I don't know if it was number two or what. Now, I know you've covered that on the treadmill before, haven't you? We did. We did. We did an issue with that. Uh, um, boy, it was like a couple of years ago, and it was a lot of fun for what it was. Yeah. But uh, but I couldn't imagine me at like 10 or 11 or 12 years old, like being really into superheroes and then getting a copy of Reed Fleming. In, and uh, Meet Misty and Captain Victory. <laughs> But 
as I rounded the corner and was just getting down to the the bottom of the pile, then I saw the Amazing Spider-Man. Now, I didn't realize it said index, but uh-huh. I saw it looked like Amazing Spider-Man. I didn't really look at the number. It was it was number four for reference purposes. And I was like, yes, I think it had the Sinister Six on the cover and everything. It was like Spider-Man and he was turned back on. And he was sort of swinging or dangling on his web in front of like mm-hmm. this full cast of villains. This book looked awesome. So anyway, I, I set it all aside because I had other Christmas gifts to open. And I was like, oh, man, I can't wait to get back and read this thing. Then when I opened it, it was a God <laughs> index. <laughs> I could not believe it. I mean, just the one thing that I was hanging on that this box had that I actually wanted. <laughs> and it was a friggin' index. Anyway, you get that, to read the uh, the Wikipedia entries for uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 76 through 99 <laughs> or something. I literally, every time I see an index now, just my, my body contorts and has this <laughs> cringe. And just like, <laughs> I feel like spitting on people who buy them. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, that's my <laughs> index story for what it's worth, people. <laughs> it's true. Now, we've got a couple more things here. Uh, classic Conan magazine number one which uh, reprints long out-of-print stories by Roy Thomas and Barry Windsor Smith, which uh, I suppose would be a pretty cool thing back before, you know, reprints and trades and digital were a thing. Oh, so that's man. pretty cool. Conan, Conan magazines back in the Savage Sword and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Those, those were incredible. Like Marvel Marvel had, you know, the regular Conan the Barbarian comic book, of course, which sure. was in color. But these magazines, they were in black and white, but these were these were amazing, Chris. I don't know if you had any. No, no, I, I never, I've never gotten into Conan. I've never, I've, I, I've never been interested in, in like that, that kind of realm of sword and sorcery type, type of stuff. I just, uh, I never see what the big fuss is. And it's one of those things that I kind of wish I was into because there's just so much of it. And, well, uh, I, I think why I liked it was I wasn't allowed to buy heavy metal magazine. Oh, it was the closest thing. Uh, yeah, and you had Red Sonya walking around with literally nothing. And I was like, <laughs> hell yes, I'm going to buy this Conan magazine. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and, of course, missing socks later, and that's all I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we also have the Emperor Doom graphic novel. So that's uh, that'll round out our notables from uh, whatever <laughs> month we're in here, June 1987. But we also have ads. We've got uh-huh. ads. One says you can fly high with rain blow bubble gum. <laughs> you would never get away with that name of, of a bubble gum in this day and age. Certainly not. Certainly not. And, you, and with this ad, you you could buy, you can send in your uh, labels or whatever and uh, get a kite. You, know, you, you send in your labels plus five dollars. Great. You, it, it's it's two wrappers and four dollars and 95 cents and you can that get tells, that, uh, that tells you how disappointing 1987 was when you, you sent a way to get a kite but, but it, it is 21 inches by 25 inches and it's easy to assemble <laughs> it's made of durable nylon i'm sure uh, it is and it has it has a retail value of ten dollars and 95 cents so you're saving like six bucks right off the top but the <laughs> bad news is the bad news is you get a kite <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Gonna, I don't know. I don't know. Is there anyone out there who bought the who got the rain blow bubblegum kite? Just you get just, the rain blow or the super <laughs> bubble one. So you can have the yellow one or the one with the white one with the rainbow on it. You 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 pick your one, you, you pick your poison and it's all good. Did you like rain blow? You know, I think I I think they sold rain blow 
Because Rainbow <laughs> Rainbow is basically it's gumballs, right? But it's like yeah. in like a it's in kind of like a tubish shaped yes. wrapper. And you could, um, like, you could press them out into your mouth. It was Yeah, fun. you just pop them right out. And uh, yeah. I think they sold those when I was in Little League. I think there was a guy who would come around and sell those uh, during the Little League game. So I'm pretty sure I ate it then. Um, and, you know, when, when you're a kid, a, a gumball is, like, one of the coolest things in the world. So uh, it's it's not a it's not like it's a gum dinger lollipop, but it's uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, I was I was a big gum fan back in the day. I mean, everything was centered around gum and sure. candy and everything that was bad for you in your teeth. And uh, you know, but I was I loved like stuff like Big League Chew. Did you did you have much Big League Holy Chew as a yeah. kid? Oh, Absolutely. I mean, that was that was the stuff. <laughs> it's wild. You have the you've got the gum that's shaped like chewing tobacco, and you also had the gum that was shaped like a cigarette. <laughs> like what were yes, they thinking? <laughs> did you guys have uh, Popeye candy cigarettes? what is that uh is that like the real thin um they're like, like just like just thin brittle sugar yeah it's yeah the, they're they're shaped as they, originally they're called popeye candy sticks now here in canada but originally they, they were called tip, right? yeah the original mm-hmm. well they don't have the red tip anymore because that's uh, gone because that's signified they were a smoke yes okay <laughs> so popeye candy cigarettes sort of went away and they became Popeye candy sticks, but they have changed here in Canada. Do you guys have those up your way? Like, do you guys in I don't Arizona? Know about if they're, I don't know if they're Popeye, but they, they, we do have, like, the candy sticks, yeah. Okay, well, the brand name here is Popeye, and it's literally Popeye the Sailor Man on them. And mm-hmm. they're really popular, they're mega popular, man, in uh, for Halloween treats and things of that nature, okay. you know what I mean? If you have a loot bag, you're guaranteed to get a Popeye candy sticks. But uh, <laughs> they, they used to be cigarettes, so, yeah. you know. You could be cool like dad out smoking on the curb. <laughs> like the ones, the, uh, like the, uh, what is it? The, the, the gum ones that are shaped like cigarettes where they have yeah. like that powder on them. So you could actually yes. puff them. <laughs> look like a real savage. There, <laughs> there was a, there was a, uh, there was also a brand that came out and they were, they actually had the wrapper around them. You actually had to yeah. unpeel well, yeah, the wrapper. What were those? Yep. Yeah, those are the ones. That, yeah, those are the gum ones. Those are uh, yeah, because like the tip of them would be like whatever flavor the gum is. It could be like purple or red or whatever, but it looked like the lit end of the cigarette. So it's uh, a <laughs> god, that's funny. And you should be able to get those from the ice cream man. Imagine an ice cream yes. man trying to sell those now. Oh man, but just another bad idea in the '80s. But of course, the saving grace of all gum, and I'm sure anyone who's lived in the '80s know what Bazooka Joe is. Oh, <laughs> I mean, absolutely. So if you're a comic book fan, you got delicious gum that lasted taste-wise for exactly one and a, Yeah, if that. <laughs> and then it just became this gelatinous blob sitting in your mouth that, uh, you know, oh, rotted man. your teeth. But you had this comic. And, yep. I mean, it was the most basic of comics. I'm sure you would agree. Oh, absolutely. It was literally a little thing that wrapped around the gum, and you unfolded it, and you had this, you know, one punchline joke comic strip. if you're lucky yeah yeah uh, yeah sometimes there wasn't even a payoff it's just like <laughs> bazooka joe what was his friend's name he had like the uh the sweater that would put oh, was the, it? over his mouth uh, yeah i don't remember his name but mort? yeah was it mort maybe it was Mort. <laughs> i don't know i don't know who it was anyone who knows and wants to relive their uh bazooka <laughs> joe stories hit us up that's too fun what else we got Sheehan? Oh well, uh, you know Bazooka Joe. Uh, I recently went on a hunt 
for uh, Bazooka Joe. And I, I, you know, the, for the three people who read my blog, they know all about it. But uh, <laughs> when I was a kid, uh, we had uh, we had this one deli that we called Super Deli because it had all the stuff that uh, that none of the other places had. And they were the only place. It was like a hell of a walk to get there. But every time we'd go, they actually had different flavors of bazooka gum. What? It wasn't just the pink. It wasn't just the original pink bazooka. There would be grape. There'd be like tropical punch. There'd be oh, blue. okay. Yeah, so and, I've had grape before. Wow. Yeah. And it was just – this was the only place that had them. Because they – I mean this is probably foreign to a lot of people. It would just be like this big jug on the counter, and they'd be five cents each. Yeah, exactly. Yep, Absolutely. Where now it's like you you can't sell a piece of gum for five cents. It's just <laughs> it's madness. <laughs> but uh, I went on a hunt because I wanted to find some of these uh, the classic Bazooka Joe with the comics and stuff. And there's a lot of like candy is one of those things I, I think that uh, that the, ne- ne- the nostalgia bug kind of bit on because you've got like all like the retro candies and stuff coming back. And I thought like there's got to be this retro Bazooka because if you buy Bazooka gum now. It's just gum with a regular wrapper. It, all it says is bazooka, and it looks instead of looking like the the classic, you know, red, white, and blue label, it looks like the the opening credits to Save by the Bell. No, it's like it it's like does all, not. Oh, it's awful. It's awful. Savages. Dude. Yes, I, I bought a pack of them at, uh, and I actually bought them as a gag because I went to the gas station and I saw them there, and it was a Wednesday, and uh, you know how people on Twitter will share their Wednesday hauls, right? Absolutely. They'll take a picture of their haul on Wednesday and they'll pop it up and they'll send it out. I was gonna unwrap all this gum and open up the comics, take a picture of that and say that was my Wednesday haul as a gag. And uh, but the joke was really on me because I open it up and there's nothing there. It's just a wrapper, and on the inside of the wrapper there's like a code that I can go to a website and put in, and it was just very very uh, <laughs> unpleasant, you especially a, since some I of the codes that. worked. Yeah. Putting in a code. Like, oh, is it so hard to put like a free little giveaway inside a piece of bubble gum or something or a box of cereal? Now you got to enter codes that and instantly loses me. No, yeah, you get nothing. And I mean, it's not like they're saving paper because they're still wrapping the gum. They could, they could just put a damn comic in there. What's the big deal? But uh, I was like looking everywhere. I went to all the candy stores in, in, the, in like the in like a 50 mile radius looking for bazooka gum. Looking, having people look at me like I got three heads because they don't know what classic bazooka gum is. So like, well, bazooka's right there. It's like, no, that's not bazooka. I want the real bazooka. And uh, <laughs> I, I lamented this for weeks on the blog. And then somebody wrote, you know, they're doing bazooka throwback. And I'm like, well, what the hell is that? And uh, sure enough, they they actually have packs of, you know, red, white, and blue packs of bazooka gum that come with the comics now. But uh. You can't buy them in singles. You have to buy them in like packs, and they're overpriced because they're, you know, retro. And uh, the only place I've been able to find them is a party supply store. Like you can't find them in a in the gas weird. station. Weird. Yeah, it's it's really weird. But uh, but but they're but legit. It was nice. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're legit. They they come with the comics, and uh, I mean the gum still sucks, but uh, it's <laughs> uh, you get the comics, and uh, you know, I'm I'm happy that they exist, even if they're not exactly what i would have wanted but uh, and, and are the comics as as geniusly written as we remember them oh they're the same ones yeah they're, they're yeah they're reprints so yeah absolutely oh i gotta get that absolutely <laughs> for sure uh, another ad we got in this uh in this comic book is bodybuilder and it's for the mpc model cars and uh i don't know about you i've never really been into model model anything 
oh man, I really wanted to be into model cars and model anything. But man, I, I just sucked at it. I don't know about you, but I, so so picture me now. Like it, a lot of these model kits that you get, they are built for enthusiasts. Okay, they're not built for twelve-year-old boy yeah. on the side, you know, with a glue stick and God knows what else. <laughs> and but anyway, I I remember purchasing one, and I was so proud of it at the time that I had it. And mm-hmm. you know, you had to paint it all. So it was a uh, an Empire Strikes Back. Star Wars model kit of Dagobah, and it was basically Yoda's house. I was going to say, that's where Yoda lives, yeah. Yeah, so basically it's Yoda's house. You lift the top off, and inside you have Luke, Yoda, and R2-D2, okay? Now, they're all movable, and they're kind of of cool figures until I painted them. Chris, you could not have done a worse job if you gave (laughs) paint thrown by a five-year-old from a curb. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god I, I i remember looking at it and i built it and i mean i thought i did a good job i mean i was pretty sloppy with the glue and all that mm-hmm. stuff but when i painted it i mean poor luke looked like a, a <laughs> transvestite in a ditch and poor Yoda. i mean it was it was awful it was just awful so you know i ruined the only model kit that i ever really wanted to and you know my my days I, nobody will trust me with building a model so if you have a model and need it built don't ask chris bailey that's what i'll tell there you there you go I, I was i i could never trust myself with a model because i just i i got really poor self-confidence when it comes to stuff like that i know that it, <laughs> it would just come out like crap I'm to the point like, like when I was a kid and I would get uh, like a new G.I. Joe vehicle and, you know, those come with a sheet of stickers. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't put the stickers on because I knew I would screw that up. No, I knew that I would screw the stickers up. So like you didn't go I, stickerless. No, I, I, I did until I'd get one of my parents to affix the stickers because oh. I knew that I would mess them up. So it was either they do it or the stickers stay on the sheet. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It, you got, okay, I'll I'll agree with you fully on this. There's nothing worse than going over to a friend's house, and they have like the Cobra hiss tank, mm-hmm. and the Cobra logo was like in the wrong spot or oh yeah, upside down or sideways. You're looking at them, and I'm not OCD, but that stuff really bothers me. I don't know about you, <laughs> or, or like the uh, the headlights kind of look like a. <laughs> Like a Robert Gibson, (laughs) like all like wall-eyed, one eye looking straight, one eye looking to the side. It's a, it's. You just want to say to these people, are are you a complete idiot that you can't put a sticker on right? Like why? Why didn't you tell your mom to do it? Come on, that's what I do. Oh Oh, man. But yeah, that's why I never really got into into model building. Unfortunately, I just uh, couldn't trust myself with anything of the sort. It's probably um, for the best, brother. Now, did you know, uh, I got a question here. Who Shoot. can save the universe from a heart as cold as space? My God, could it be the Galaxy Rangers? It could be the Galaxy mm-hmm. Rangers. And for $14.95, you can get a video cassette of their adventures. That I've never heard actually, of these guys before. <laughs> that That is actually, when you think about the price of VHS in 1987. It's a 14- hell of a deal. Yeah, man, that was like an incredible price. You're paying thirty to forty dollars to seventy dollars a tape back at that time. For sure, for sure. So to bring Galaxy Rangers home, which I honestly I've heard of it, but I have never seen a single episode of this or be in the hemisphere where this was played. So, and I'm imagining since this is a fifteen dollar tape in 1987, you could probably like push your thumb like right through it. 
<laughs> exactly. It's it's filmed in ELP mode or whatever it is. <laughs> we have uh, we're gonna keep it with the with the uh, with the moving pictures here because we also have a movie ad, and this one stars what's his face here Josh Brolin, Ooh, and it is Thanos. hot. It, it, oh, is that him? Yeah. How about that? Now this movie is is hot. It is reckless and it is totally insane. Ladies and gentlemen, this film is thrashing. Ooh, man. Man, skateboarding. Ho, 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 That's another you thing were, I was scared to do. You were cool if you were a skateboarder. I guarantee you. So so a couple of my friends were skateboarders, and, you know, it's one of those things that I always wanted to be able to be to do. You know what I mean? Sure. It's not like... It's not like it was all the cool kids doing it. It certainly wasn't. It was like a, a fringe group of outsiders in our town. And, you know, be those two or three guys and they'd have the spazzy haircuts and probably a tattoo and torn shirts. And, you know, they were sort of the rebels, but they had the skateboards and they could really move some stuff. So secretly I wanted my parents to buy me a skateboard. Now, mm-hmm. they never ever did. But my dad, who worked for a um, a beverage company, he brought home a demo uh, a and W. I don't know. Are you familiar with that restaurant? Oh yeah. Yeah. So A and W. Yeah. So he brought home an A and W skateboard. Oh. Complete with the bear on it and everything. So anyway, it was a larger one. So it was you know it was almost like oversized. One of those things you'd see for like a large child. We'll say. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, guess what? I learned how to use this thing. So I knew how to you know roll myself across the street and you know do a couple turns on it and you know I, I could I could maneuver my way around a skateboard. Now was I doing stunts, Chris? I won't be lying. No, I wasn't. But <laughs> I will tell you about one ill-advised trip. So okay, uh, when when my parents would go on vacation and we would go to like you know the local nature park or something like that, I went to a place called Terra Nova and. The roads are very well maintained and nice and clean, beautiful pavement. So there was this there was this turn that we were going around. And I said, hey, mom, would you mind if I got on my skateboard? And they said, yeah, just take the skateboard and just ride, you know, ride on down to the park. So I was like, sure. So anyway, I got on my skateboard and man, it was clear sailing, Chris. I mean, mm-hmm. beautiful road. There was not a rock or a pebble. It was, you know, I was picking up some speed when I took the corner. Uh-oh. The hill dropped almost like a 90-degree angle. I oh, am geez. not joking you. So I was literally plunging to my <laughs> death on my A&W skateboard down this crazy-ass, well-manicured hill. You know, I was begging for a rock at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Man. But anyway, the skateboard got so out of control it started to wobble. I mean, it okay. was really wobbling. Now, my parents, who were in the car behind me following along, thought I was doing it. You know what I mean? Oh, look at Chris oh. doing some stunts. <laughs> no, no. Don't get me wrong. Chris was doing no stunts. I was dying of sad death on this <laughs> thing. So I said, I have to get off this thing because this hill kept going down, 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 down. So it would only oh, get worse, boy. Chris. I, I was doomed for death. So I decided I'm going to roll wow. onto the shadow of the road and I'm going to roll into some grass. That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> I guess Famous what? Last words, yeah. No, because w- I will tell you when a skateboard rocketing at, you know, uh, the speed of light, at d- almost like Han Solo doing the Kessel Run, uh, when you strike dirt, you the skateboard stops. But and you don't. You don't. No. <laughs> 
So I went, uh, to use a local term, ass over tea kettle, <laughs> flying <laughs> through the air, and I ended up rolling around in the grass, thrashing, literally thrashing like Josh Brolin. <laughs> that sounds and, uh, hot, reckless, and totally insane. Chris, that was the end of my skateboarding days. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I was not I was not thrashed with Josh Brolin after that oh, one, brother. That's unfortunate. <laughs> I, I've never I've never I don't think I've ever even been on a skateboard. And uh, the only kind of frame of reference I have is when we moved to Long Island, um, we lived in a town called Oakdale, and the next town over was Sayville. And you'd hear about and I mean this is like some of like the it's like the most waspy neighborhoods in the world here, but you'd hear that uh, that there were gangs, and in the the next town over there were the Sayville Skate Rats. And it was a gang of skateboarders. This is like something out of like Warriors or something here. But uh, that that was the whole thing. It was a gang of skateboarders. Nobody ever saw them, but they. they but people swore that they existed. You know. Man. <laughs> it was a. It was sc- you know, scary times in in Oakdale. It was. Yeah, a, I mean, like yeah, like you say. I mean, these people were not. They weren't like skateboarding was not like main culture. It was not like. You know, it was yeah, not it was, accepted it was back counter, then. Yeah, it was counterculture. Yeah, yeah, it was literally counterculture, and the people who were doing it were like the rebels. Now mm. they were they were my friends, but you know, people still looked at them as like, oh man, these guys are like skateboarders, okay? Like crazy. <laughs> man. Anyway, moving on. Yes, we can uh, we can leave off by uh, entering the deep dark world of magic. <laughs> now, do you do you have two dollars? <laughs> I tell you what, if I did have two dollars or a toonie here in Canada, it would not be spent on magic. <laughs> but but if you had two dollars, you could become a wizard of secrets unknown. Oh man! Also, you could vanish objects. Yeah, you can vanish make... objects like your toonie, <laughs> and you can dazzle your friends. <laughs> I mean, oh man! And all you got to do is send two dollars to Beeham, Alabama, to Birmingham, and. Uh, you will enter the deep dark world of magic. Is that the abbreviation for Birmingham? Literally, I don't think D-ham? so. I don't think what so. I think it was just they couldn't that? fit the entire word in there. <laughs> you put you put Beeham, Alabama on a on a on an envelope. I don't know where it's going. Oh man! So for two dollars, you get a catalog and free tricks. <laughs> free tricks. Mm. You might okay. ask, what are the free tricks? Well, they they took your money. You have been tricked. <laughs> it's there that one go. where like. It's that one where you like bend your thumb and wrap your pointer around it and then put it on like your bent thumb on the other hand and make the make your finger like look like it's been cut in half. <laughs> That's your trick that you learn there. And then you also get it. the one where you put your two index fingers together and it kind of looks like a hot dog. It's really good <laughs> stuff there. You can dazzle oh. your friends with it. Man, oh man. <laughs> You're a level 10 magician, sir, with all I those tricks so. you're revealing here to the public. Well, the, 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 these are these are our friends, so they deserve to know these amazing things. So I just saved them two dollars or a toonie. Uh, they can dazzle their friends and they can vanish parts of their finger. It's all good. <laughs> but uh, that I think that is uh, about all the time we'll take from you this week. Uh, we learned a heck of a lot. We got a rudderless team, a leaderless team. Uh, we have a team divided. We got Robert staying behind. It's a uh, it's all about to pick up once again. We got three newcomers coming next week. Then we'll meet them all, and uh, we'll even go on a little adventure with them. So uh, you want to give some uh, plugs? 
Well, that sure would, kind sir. Uh, you can find me on the Twitter at Charlton underscore hero, or you can check out my blog and my retro ramblings over on the Superhero Satellite. Just give it a Google. Uh, and as well, if you want to check out some more uh, Chris Bailey-related Charlton Hero fun, check out my Pinterest boards, and you can find all kinds of crazy retro stuff on there. So Charlton Hero on Pinterest. Check it out. Mm-hmm. You can find me at uh, a few different places. I'm at Ace Comics on Twitter. Um, got uh, ChrisandReggie.com where you can find the full archive of all the programming here on this channel. There's also Chris's on InfiniteEarths.com where you can read me talking about read me talking. That's dumb. Uh, you can read <laughs> words that I typed into a machine that are discussing comic books. So uh, uh, there's about 1,400 of them up there now, and. Uh, they're coming every day, uh, at least for the next little while. They'll be coming every day. Some uh, of which the, may or may not have been typed on a Palm Pilot. I wish. Oh, man. <laughs> I got I to gotta get, like, the little antenna attachment for that and <laughs> everything be cool. But, uh, yeah, you can find us all over the place. We're also part of the Superblog team-up. Uh, you can find all the old Superblog team-up stuff on Twitter, uh, hashtag Superblog team-ups, hashtag SBTU, all that good stuff. Uh but I think that's all we got for you this week. So uh, we want to thank you so, so much for hanging out with us. We really, really appreciate it. Keep the comments coming. Uh, of course, we're still, we still have open registration for our form of the moratory process. So uh, if you're interested in that, just hit us up and we will get you in. So uh, until next time, uh, we will see you again real soon. Take care, everybody. See you.